There's a cold silence that we don't dare speak. There's a wall between us and a river so deep. We keep pretending that there's nothing wrong. There's a code of silence and it can't go on. Hi folks, this is Alan Wharton. We're cutting through the Matrix on the 1st of July 2010. Newcomers, I always suggest go into cuttingthroughthematrix.com website. You'll see all the other sites listed there. I have bookmarked them for future use. That way you can always download the latest shows for free if the com site goes down. And plus, remember too, this is very important, I am not paid by advertisers to come on here. I could be if I wanted to be, but I prefer to have a a freer hand doing it this way. Uh, So the ads on this show are paid by advertisers right to RBN to broadcast the show, pays for the technicians and their equipments and their bills. So it's up to you to keep me going uh, with mine. And you can do so by going into cuttingthroughthematrix.com website. You'll see different methods to buy the books and the discs I have for sale. They're all listed there, and the prices and methods of payments. But remember, from the U.S. to Canada, personal check is good. You can also use PayPal to donate or to purchase. Just send a separate email if you want to uh, buy through PayPal along with the PayPal donation with your name, address, and, and uh, the order, and I'll get it out to you. Across the rest of the world, you can use the same techniques, um, except for personal check, of course. Uh, that's only good from U.S. to Canada and vice versa, because we're only really one country now. So for the rest of the world, you can use Western Union, MoneyGram, Cash, PayPal for donations or to purchase, separate email, remember, if you want to purchase, along with the PayPal donation. And... You can also use, um, as I say, MoneyGram. MoneyGram's okay. I think MoneyGram's actually cheap, cheaper than Western Union, the way it's going right now, or cash. And, you know, the more you understand about this new world order and really get over the crisis when you've just got bits and pieces of it in your mind, and you've recently woken up, for instance, and you're listening to all the fear and terror as you're getting bombarded with so much information from alternative news like this one uh, that uh, some people tend to panic. And I keep telling them, don't panic, because you see, it's been going on your whole life and before your parents were even born. This is an ongoing agenda. And it is planned, it is written about, as, as I keep mentioning Professor Carl Quigley, he documented a lot of this, this stuff from the late 1800s right through a good part of the 20th century to show you the organizations that actually work together to bring into being their planned new world order, their new uh, global governmental system, the reduced population. And they actually um, did all the things that the communists were, were blamed or accused of doing. They also wanted the redistribution of wealth and so on, not because... Uh, they prefer any people above any other people uh, or that we want us all to share what we have with each other. But because, you see, the poorer we all become across the world and the richer government becomes and more powerful governments become across the world under a united government uh, for the whole planet, then uh, the less trouble it is to manage us. 
That was really their whole plan. So they're not in there because they're beneficent or something. It's because they literally uh, hate most of humanity. We've been very good to them so far. We have fought the wars they have designed and did bring on. If you go into Quigley's book on the Anglo-American establishment and see the interrelationships between those in London and those in the States, the families who were all intermarried, all working together in the same association, which is called the Royal Institute for International Affairs, and in the States is called the CFR. And you see them setting up the League of Nations, um, their corporations even funding the other sites for the wars. Back with more after this break. I'm Alan Watt, and we're cutting through the matrix. Just trying people not to be so scared when they get uh, the bad news, which is pretty well daily. Sometimes you get a week, it's fairly restful, then they hit you again with some higher taxes or something. But that's that's the way it's designed. It's designed, our future is planned that way. And this group that literally manages the world's affairs started off as a group of bankers, and they're, they're, even their second and third cousins all work within the institute across the world, and they have institutes for every section of, of the whole planet. They've got it split up, in fact. They've got ones in Australia managing the, the Pacific Rim and uh, New Zealand and China, and they have the ones in Europe. They've actually formed um, the European International Affairs uh, Group as well to, to manage their whole parliament there, to make sure they're all on board with the agenda. And we're living through a script. It's as simple as that, lit through a script. Britain, of course, was a test base for it all. In fact, the whole idea of a world government was born in Britain a long time ago, picked up by Cecil Rhodes and then Lord Alfred Milner, Milner, who combined the two systems together into the Royal Institute of International Affairs and then gave the American branch the name of the Council on Foreign Relations. Canada's got one. Every Commonwealth country's got a big department, and they have lots of their workers in governments. Generally, within bureaucracies, the higher bureaucracies, they're more important than the politicians that we see. The politicians are just told what they've got to do, although the prime ministers and presidents are always members of the CFR. And that's what Quigley said. Regardless of which party you vote in, uh, the, the, the people at the top of both parties are always our members. And it had been that way for 60 years when he wrote his book in the 1960s. So since the late 1800s, they've been guiding the world along. They needed wars to, to get us to our knees, to give up certain amounts of, uh, of, of uh, independence. We signed treaties with the UN, which they created, in fact, this group. And uh, through treaties, they bind us together for environment, through for taxation, for spreading the wealth across the world, which is, of course, a Marxist idea, and all of this kind of stuff. And at the moment, they're standardizing the last of the, the remnants of those who've held out against them, and they happen to be the Islamic nations. That's why they're getting pounded. And, of course, once they pound into the ground those countries, they send in UNESCO from the United Nations to rear children in this new democracy idea. Special leaders who are selected as children to be the future leaders of their countries. 
They do the same thing in other countries as well. They even do it in Britain through common purpose. They pick up young leaders who they can brainwash early, and they become your future uh, hard-working bureaucrats and so on. All for the European Union too. Uh, but what surprises me, of course, and even when you know they're all psychopaths at the very top, especially the front men like Tony Blair, um, it's not much different than what you see in Hollywood. Hollywood is very good at awarding itself prizes, if you notice. And the same in the music industry. They're always, they love to all gather together and pat each other on the back in the culture industry and give themselves prizes. It was the same in politics, too. And we see more and more of this. Uh, we've seen different um, leaders of the United States and other high diplomats from the United States being, gone, being knighted by Britain, for instance, which is illegal. You can, uh, under the Constitution of the U.S., you're not allowed to take a foreign uh, title that's been bestowed upon you by a sovereign. But they do it anyway and have been for years. And now it's the other way around as well, because here's Tony Blair, a, a guy like Tony Blair, a man literally with all the traits, classical traits of a psychopath, very glib. I'm sure if you were talking to him in a room, uh, he would be all ears and his eyes would just bore right through you. You're the only person in that room. And once you walk out the door, you're out of his mind and out of his life. And that's it. That's how a psychopath is. They have a great ability to con people. But here he is getting a, a medal from the U.S., a, a medal, you know. And this is the guy, too, who's raked in millions and millions of pounds after leaving his office as a payback for all the things that he did when he was in office. That's how, that's how their masters pay them. This article here is from BBC. It says, Blair's to receive the U.S. Peace Medal. A peace medal. This is the guy, when he was asked about the invasion of Iraq, says, all oh, that hassle... You know, didn't want to talk about it. It's a bad thoughts, you know. It's a hassle. That's what it was. Killing millions of people was a hassle. A typical psychopath. But anyway, he's getting a U.S. Peace Medal. It's his former U.K. Prime Minister Tony Blair to receive the prestigious U.S. Medal and and one hundred thousand dollars, which is sixty-seven thousand pounds prize for his work in conflict resolution. This is the guy who single-handedly, because his master has told him to. Uh, had to to convince Parliament that they could go to war with Iraq single-handedly. Nobody else wanted to go to war there. But he did all his hand-waving and his, his arms flapping and all that kind of stuff. And somehow or another, uh, he just rammed it through and they were there off to war with Iraq. Because it was on the cards, wasn't it? That's why it was, it was already part of the business plan. So the National Co- uh, uh, Constitution Centre is awarding him as Liberty Medal for steadfast efforts to broker peace in Northern Ireland and the Middle East. This is the guy who said he was going to change the face of Britain forever with mass immigration, destroy the British culture so that they would never go back to a British culture. Getting a peace medal. This is something you'd expect in the the, the ancient Rome or something, giving a medal to somebody like this. His previous winners include Nelson Mandela and former U.S. Presidents Bill Clinton and George Bush Sr., they, well, they both love peace as well, eh? And Mr. Blair said he was driven by values of freedom, liberty, and justice. Oh, oh. Uh, it says, Mr. Clinton, the center's chairman, will present the medal in Philadelphia on the 13th of September. It should wait till April Fool next year, I think, because it's fooling all of us. Uh, and in the reason, too, they're giving it to him is because 
He's, he's got so much dedication and creativity. And I must admit, he's got creativity. He created a lot of reasons, a lot of fake ones to go to war with countries. He said, It was a privilege to work with my friend Tony Blair to help end 30 years of sectarian violence and broker a lasting peace in Northern Ireland. Northern Ireland came out of, of the, the, the troubles right into being under the EU Parliament, which is even worse than the one that we're fighting. It was all part of the plan. So it says here, uh, to, and to stop the killing and mass exodus from Kosovo and to develop policies that would improve living conditions for people in both our countries were being taxed into the graves. You've heard all the articles I've read here about Britain. Taxed into the graves. Britain is defunct. Completely kaput. Dysfunctional. In poverty. And it's not going to get out of it. I've even mentioned how they've slashed the healthcare system down to some some areas are telling the people to bring in uh, or, or to use uh, washed jam jars for urine in different specimens and so on. I'm not kidding. This guy's getting a prize here. Since now as a private citizen, Tony continues to demonstrate the same leadership, dedication and creativity in promoting economic opportunity in the Middle East. <laughs> and the resolution of conflicts rooted in religion around the world, and is building the capacity of developing nations to govern honestly and effectively, just like he did. I added that last part there just for fun. What he's overdoing there in the Middle East is working with big corporations that rebuild the gets again, the UN money funneled through all the countries to rebuild all the buildings that they're smashing and bombing into the ground. That's what he's really doing. He's getting well paid for it too by the big corporations. In response, Mr. Blair, who currently works as a peace envoy to the Middle East, said, Freedom, liberty, and justice are the values by which this medal is struck, he says. I'm surprised when they put it on him, he didn't get burned or something. Some magic, you see that in the movies, with vampires and things. So, it says, Freedom, liberty, and justice are the values which I try to apply to my work on governance in Africa and on preparing the Palestinians for statehood. That'll be the day. That'll be the day. They are the values which drive the, the work of my faith foundation, and we try to show that people of different faiths can live together constructively in peace and harmony. Oh, dear, dear, dear. Mr. Blair's office said he would be donating the prize money to two of his charities, the Tony Blair Faith Foundation and the Tony Blair Africa Governance Initiative. That's because he's so modest, he likes the Tony part in front of it, you see. Last year, Mr. Blair received the highest civilian award in the U.S., the Presidential Medal of Freedom. So, there you are, he's gathering uh, medals for um, for all his, his hard work at getting Britain uh, single-handedly to get the British Parliament to go to war with Iraq, you know. He sexed it up, as Mr. Kelly said, and of course he had Mr. Kelly assassinated and that is a fact, folks. That will come. They actually put a ban of, of exposing all the details of that guy's death for 70 years. Doesn't that stink? Maybe these medals will be a bit tarnished by then for old Tony, eh? Oh, what a disgusting world we live in. I tell you, it really is. Now, all the cash that the... It's amazing how we're so broke, isn't it? And we're spending money like you wouldn't believe. Because we're spending ourselves out of depression because that's the, the, the Keynesian 
ideal is to spend your way out of depression by borrowing money to spend, and you, you pay it back in higher. I've never understood it, actually. It's been beyond me. I need faith to believe in that stuff. But um, they spent $200 million in behavior detection. And it says here, $200 million behavior detection officers failed to spot a single terrorist at the airports. A team of more than 3,000 behavior detection officers hired to spot terrorists at U.S. airports have failed to catch a single person, despite costing the taxpayer $200 million last year. <laughs> oh, dear. And this is um, from the Telegraph. But I'll, I'll go into some of this stuff and how they're just squandering the cash as we go down the tubes. I'm going to come back from these messages. This is Alan Watt. We're cutting through the matrix. Uh, just to get back to Tony Blair for a, a minute, because I remembered his, that he was touted to be the CEO, the next CEO of BP, if everybody's interested in that. This is the guy who wrecked countries, you know. He wrecked his own country. He wrecked every country. Uh, and they're going to put him in charge of BP. Well, we'll see what happens now. Maybe he'll refuse it since he's getting all these medals. he got something much bigger than that. Back to this article here, though, $200 million on behavior detection. Officers fail to spot a single terrorist at the airport. Maybe it's because there's no terrorists, you see. See, it's it's a vague term to change the world, you know. That's all it's it's really for. So uh, it says here, um, they've been stationed in 160 airports across the U.S. in order to provide a hidden measure of security. But 16 people accused of being part of terrorist plots have passed through U.S. airports undetected a total of 23 times since 2004, a number of them since the scheme was started, according to an investigation by the Government Accountability Office. I didn't know they had an accountability office. Earlier this year, officials at the Transportation Security Administration, which runs the Behavior Detection Program, asked the U.S. Congress to expand the scheme, which is known as spot screening passengers by observation techniques. John Mika, a Republican congressman from Florida who was involved in setting up the TSA in response to the September 11, 2001 terrorist attack, said had become too bureaucratic. Said the report into behavior detection would further call into question the agency's ability to perform its security mission. The TSA said the program is a vital layer of security based in science. Well, <laughs> they've caught nobody, eh? which has led to more than 1,700 arrests for outstanding parking fines. That's what I put on it here. <laughs> Just added that in. However, a 2008 report by a team at the National Academy of Sciences said behavioral surveillance had enormous potential for violating privacy and there was no evidence it worked. Well, that's good enough for government. They'll keep that going if there's no evidence that it worked. Eh? That's what they're there for. See, their accountability office is, is the last door before you see the garbage bins. That's where all the stuff goes. That's accountability for government. And... In Britain, they've got another problem with experts there, too, because Whitehall, that's a big place where all, all the military takes its orders from and the, all the cops get their orders from, the big hootspah place. It says, revealed 20,000 Whitehall experts, which cost us £2 billion in wages. 
uh, work and pensions rang up, run up £9 million bill on consultants with just 14 individuals in such roles. What they're doing is, is they're farming out all this kind of money uh, to private com- consultants, really, who are generally ex-judges and stuff, who are in their last legs with brandy and stuff like that. Uh, but they give them these, these sort of parting gifts. They give them these, these little jobs to do. So a staggering £2 billion of taxpayers' money is spent employing 20,000 government consultants on salaries as high as £600,000. Some of these things, you know, are just for short-term investigations. Yeah. The Cabinet Office revealed the, the gargantuan size of the state payroll yesterday as part of a softening up exercise to convince voters that cuts are necessary. No kidding. And total government departments, their agencies and other public bodies employ more than 660,000 people. But see, that's what I'm saying. Hamilton was right. Do you, do you really want just a king and his spoiled little family to keep and feed? Or do you want a different system like democracy with, you know, you've got thousands and thousands of them and their families to keep or living much higher than you are? Good to think about that. So anyway, this has been a clear sign of the way uh, unnecessary costs were allowed to spiral under labour. That includes 19,967 consultants, agency workers and private contractors. So that's what they're doing now. They, they give all these let's say, retired pals of theirs uh, their last little job for to do some sort of uh, committee work. And they sit in front of a board for about two months and get paid a, about 60 grand or 70 grand for it, something like that, or maybe 100 grand. What's these kind of figures these days? And the reason I read some of the British stuff is because America doesn't realize you're now under the British system. That's so important that you understand what's happened in Britain is to happen to the U.S. A lot of it's already happening to the U.S. as you go under the global authority. And it's quickly said that they've been tied at the hip with Britain since the late 1800s. Now, I think it was General McChrystal of the U.S. came out and uh, did an article in the Rolling Stones magazine recently. It got him in hot water because he criticized the way that the war in Afghanistan was being run. And then he, he um, I guess he resigned his commission because he got a lot of heat and flack from the government for speaking more openly than, he, than perhaps he should have. Maybe he wanted to, though. Who knows? And here's one from Britain, too. It says, Britain will not defeat the Taliban and should open talks, says the head of the army. Britain and its allies will not defeat the Taliban with military force and should soon open peace talks with insurgents in Afghanistan, the head of the army said yesterday. This is from the Telegraph, 28th of June. The cost of British taxpayers of fighting, diplomacy and reconstruction in Afghanistan and Iraq since the 9-11 attacks passed $20 billion. That'd be pounds, I guess, official figures reveal. And it goes on to say that General Sir David Richards said he believed a time had come for negotiations with NATO's enemies to pave the way for the eventual withdrawal of troops. The chief of the general staff said that while British forces would continue to punish the Taliban battle by battle, he was less certain that an overall victory could now be secured. Interesting. What we're up to next. Be back with more after the following messages.
You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt. We're cutting through the matrix, just going through some of the ludicrous news we get. Because I read an article about uh, the head of the British Army saying that they should start negotiations with the Taliban in preparation for withdrawal. And it's getting a lot of flack, of course, from other uh, cabinet ministers, uh, politicians, and other members of the military who are retired to keep it going and, and, and all that kind of stuff. You know, Britain's utterly broke, folks. Like most of us are. Most of us apparently are utterly broke. And all the money that we use is borrowed money from the World Bank and IMF. And IMF is running most of these countries now. But they, why spend billions and billions more in uh, these wars that we shouldn't even be in in the first place? We shouldn't even be over there at all. Because it's a different agenda that's underway. The world's got to be standardized according to the Royal Institute for International Affairs. You can't have different religions and all the rest of it and people living in a different way. One system for all with humanism brought in secular humanism. That's it. Quite simple. doesn't matter how much money they use and how much debt they cause for future generations. They won't be paying it at the top. They never do. Uh, or how many people are killed in the process. Uh, on it goes, you see. Never mind the fact a lot of these British lords, the House of Lords, have incredible investments in the munitions organizations for warfare. During the Cold War, there were multi-billionaires uh, sitting in the House of Lords because they used to keep shouting, we need more missiles, the Russians have got a better one, and they'd bring out one every month, and it was great for their business, a new one every month. Different paint job, you know, which they knew they were never going to use. But that's the, the business that when the psychopaths get to the top, as they always do in politics, then that's what you end up with. And you know something, it doesn't matter what kind of system you bring in, they'll always get up in there eventually, rather quickly in fact. It's quite something. Now, I mentioned before that uh, if they get taught now that flying is too expensive because the fuel and all the rest of it is bad for the, for the atmosphere, for pollution, and there are all these articles coming out that, uh, that, um, that all these trails you see in the sky, I'll be touching on them later, are caused by just ordinary uh, contrails, condensation trails. Utter rubbish, of course, as we all know. Those who have a memory and can remember as far back as um, 1998 when they started to spray in earnest and how the skies used to look when they were, had more aircraft on the go than half the aircraft in the fact that they do fly around with now. But anyway... Uh, what they're trying to do is make it more uncomfortable for passengers who want to go for holidays and such because the guy in charge of the British Transportation and Aviation has said publicly that uh, they want to dissuade uh, customers from travelling. They've tacked on a £300 surcharge in every flight as a, as a sort of um, energy tax and carbon tax. And if you jump into Agenda 21, you'll see that eventually you'll all be stuck in your little community areas uh, with your IDs making bead necklaces and uh, weaving baskets, I suppose. And um, and that's the kind of system they want to bring in. No private property, rental only, and no private transportation. You see? So shortly it'll be, it'll be VIPs, bureaucrats, and, and that kind of thing only that will travel by air. That is on the cards. That's the real reason for it. But this article here says uh, Ryanair, that's from, this is from Ireland, I think it is, 
wants passengers to stand up during flights. No kidding. Just to make it, just like c- cattle cars. Uh, 6th of July that came out. And Ryanair wants passengers to stand uh, during its flight so the budget airline can squeeze more people on board. The Irish air carrier plans to cut costs by making flyers perch on stools with seat belts around their waists. I wonder if they give them a bar to go with the stool. Chief Executive Michael O'Leary has already he- held talks with U.S. plane manufacturer Boeing about designing an aircraft with standing room. Should the idea get the go-ahead from the Irish Aviation Authority, the airline plans to either order new jets or refurbish its existing fleets. Ryanair's estimates would be able to pack in 30% more passengers while slashing costs by 20%. Spokesman Stephen McNamara said it would be vertical seating more akin to a stool and the person would still be strapped in. The seating would be uh, would completely adhere to safety procedures. <laughs> yeah, enough of that. Anyway. But there you go. That, that's the way just to get you dissuaded from traveling as they make it um, harder and harder and more expensive to travel. Now, how countries operate and how the Royal Institute of International Affairs has operated for over, well over a century, they always have arms dealers uh, that are on their payrolls, you see, and the arms dealers uh, are, have all the doors open for them of where to get the firearms from and all the passes made and, the, and all the little um, uh, customs duties things cleared for them by the big wigs, you see. You know, the big politicians and governors and so on, so that they can get their arms shipped to some other country where they want to start a war. Generally between a people who have no problems with each other, but they stir it up and they cause factions and get two sides fighting each other. That's generally what it's about. And that's how you eventually you go in with NATO or whoever and you sort out the problem with your own uh, national armies. And then the UN comes in. They've been doing this for over a century. So these guys generally have free hands. Uh, but once in a while, it's in the papers. For instance, I mean, Sarkozy, by the way, is up in a charge right now. It is remembered there that he's up in a charge for arms smuggling. And um, he's also the great uh, Jax E. Lull. Oh, sorry, uh, Jax Attali. Uh, Jax Attali, who was the Mitterrand's right-hand man and different president's right-hand man, and who's now at the U- UN, has also opened the same charges. It's been ongoing for a few years now for arms smuggling to countries where they want to get war started. Here's Israel here, indicted in U.S. for smuggling arms to Somalia. And uh, Foreign Ministry and Defense Ministry sources adamantly denied yesterday that there were in any way involved in arms shipments to Somalia. Spokesmen for both ministries responded to news of the arrest in the U.S. of Hanoch Miller, an Israeli arms merchant for allegedly illegal arms sales to Somalia, forging documents, money laundering, and violating the U.N. arms embargo on Somalia. A defense ministry spokesman said there's a ban on arms sales to Somalia, and Miller did not have permission to sell arms there, and even if he had asked in Israel, he would not have received such permission. Well, they have to always say that distance themselves when they get caught. But, you know, even in Canada, a few years back, they've set them up here. They just move in, these guys. And before you know it, they've got an, an industry on the go, like a big factory on the go. And they refurbish these military weapons, the rifles and, and pistols. And sometimes they'll even put out uh, ads for locals to buy hunting rifles as a sideline to make it look more legit to anybody who asks questions. But people who get into the factories come back with amazing stories 
that here they are, it's the latest uh, equipment that they're moving from one war that's finished to the next war. That's what they do. And then suddenly they just close down. They're gone again. You know, maybe, maybe a thousand employees just, boom, gone. Like it had never been there. It says, according to charges brought against Miller at Florida District, District, uh, District Court, he was arrested with an unnamed American partner found for alleged involvement in the sale of hundreds of AK-47s to the government of Somaliland, a breakaway district in Somalia since 1991. Miller and his American partner allegedly organized armed shipments, which apparently include arms bought in Bosnia, and had planned to fly them there from in cargo planes to Somalia. The indictment also mentions a shipment that was sent from Panama. The suspect allegedly presented end-user documents and the Defense Ministry of Chad. Arms shipment to that African country are not forbidden. See, there are all these ways around it. But so every country does this. Every country. Britain's the greatest for doing this one. They're the greatest for uh, getting uh, civil wars going in, in countries they want to dominate. The greatest for it. Standard procedure. Now, there's an article here on diplomats. Now, we've seen how they live at these G20 and G8 meetings. And I think a year ago I mentioned some of the food that they ate. I wrote a little poem about it too, what the G8 ate. And uh, a time of austerity, we're all to tighten our belts and, you know, buckle up and all that kind of stuff. They're living like kings, getting transported across the world in, in luxury private jets and they get the best of booze and all the rest of it. They get prostitutes given to them, male or female, depending on their taste. It's about the age either because they've got diplomatic immunity. But uh, these are the psychopaths that raise themselves up within every system of government. The psychopaths are attracted to this lifestyle uh, and they're above uh, the law, basically. Especially when they go abroad, that's when they really kick up a ruckus and do things because they get away with it. They have diplomatic immunity. And this article here is from Mail Online. Crimes of untouchable diplomats accused of sex assaults, human trafficking, and £36 million in unpaid fines to, to Britain. This is, just, this is just Britain. Foreign diplomats have got away with a series of sexual crimes on British soil, including a threat to kill, sexual assaults, and human trafficking. You can't touch them. That's how the law is. Figures released by ministers have revealed an extraordinary crime spree carried out by embassy workers under the cloak of diplomatic immunity. In the last five years, the diplomats carried out a total of uh, 78 serious crimes, including 54 driving offences. They can drive blind drunk and smash into things, and, and they don't get charged. In the most worrying case, envoys from Saudi Arabia and Sierra Leone were accused of human trafficking, while a Pakistani diplomat was alleged to have made a threat to kill. A Saudi Arabian envoy allegedly committed sexual assault, while another of his colleagues was accused of domestic violence. Uh, Diplomats from from Nigeria and Jordan were linked to two cases of actual bodily harm. Under the 1961 Vienna Convention, foreign officials and their families and staff are protected from prosecution in their host country, effectively putting them above the law. They can do anything. They could murder people. Unless their home country agrees to waive their immunity from prosecution, there's nothing the British government can do except risk a diplomatic incident by ordering their expulsion. 
Some 25,000 people are entitled to diplomatic immunity in the UK. Serious crimes are defined as uh, as offences which would carry a 12-month sentence. According to the list published by the Foreign Office, the most common offence was drink driving with 40 diplomats accused. 2009, a total of 18 alleged offences were committed. There were also 10 carried out in 2008, 20 in 2007, 15 in 2006, and 15 in 2005. A list of the worst offenders over the five years is headed by diplomats from Saudi Arabia who were accused of eight offences, followed by South Africa, five in Kazakhstan, Ghana and Cameroon, four Nigeria, Malawi and Russia, three. Last night there were calls for change. Well, that won't happen. They're just using this for political hay from the Green Party. But uh, they owe, uh, so far... Um, uh, diplomatic missions also owe £36 million pounds in unpaid London congest- congestion traffic fines, uh, £526,300 pounds in parking and traffic violations, and more than £480,000 pounds in unpaid rates. You've you got to understand, that's how even the top politicians are as well. Uh, they don't care about the laws, they're above the laws, and... They live above the laws. That's why the governments can supply prostitutes for, for them on the, on the taxpayers' tab at the G8 and G20 meetings. Completely above all moral rules or, or legal rules than anyone else. Is we're, we're just the peasants at the bottom, if you, if you get that through your head. We're the peasants. We, we pay for all, all these unpaid fines. Eventually, we'll pay them all. This is the U.S., which is in a long-running dispute over payment of the congestion charge, has an unbill of £3.8 million pounds to Britain. Hmm. What's money, eh? What's money? And if you've ever seen them, these politicians, when they get into politics, they do in Canada. They have a big party down at the parliamentary building when they get in, when the new party changes over. Uh, massive party, and they always trash the place. Vomit everywhere, urine everywhere, everything's smashed. That's your politicians. Psychopaths, you see. Always will be the same too, because it's the only time they get into politics. Any decent person getting in, if they can't corrupt you, because you'll see what they're up to, obviously, if they can't corrupt you and get you to join what they're into, uh, they'll set you up and get rid of you. Politicians have actually written about that. They didn't last very long. Now, to show you how crazy you're living in this Orwellian world here, when you unify, you must, you must go uh, into a new system, uh, uh, many new systems, in fact, all to standardize everything, like the economic union, this big parliament, this, this anti-democratic system that runs the whole of Europe. They've been jailing people for using weights and measures and pounds, for instance, and ounces. And there's still a, a guy, I think, in prison yet because if he, he, he was the last holdout. He wouldn't go along with it. The EU is to ban selling eggs by the dozen. No kidding. This, these are the stupid laws they're bringing up. So shoppers will be banned from buying bread rolls or eggs priced by the dozen under new food labeling regulations proposed by the European Parliament. I wonder how much money it costs for that debate. Eh? You know what I'd have done with the eggs if I was there? Well, you, you know what I'd do with them, eh? I'd make sure they were rather old as well and sitting in the sun for a long time. But, but this is what they do. This is the craziness when power 
leaves all sensibilities. This is the 28th of June, 2000. Shoppers will be banned from buying bread rolls and eggs by the dozen under new regulations proposed by the EU Parliament. And under the draft legislation to come into force as early as next year, the sale of groceries using the simple measurements of numbers will be replaced by an EU-wide system based on weight. It would mean an end to packaging descriptions such as eggs by the dozen, four packs of apples, six bread rolls, or boxes of 12 fish fingers. And you've got to go metric as well. It completely confuses the people. Why should they put up with this rubbish? It's called, do, you, do you imagine, you know the money that these boards get to sit and debate this rubbish, this nonsense, this insanity? And you wonder why everybody's bankrupt? It says the government appeared to have been caught out by the change, but yesterday Carolyn Spielman, or Spielman Environmental Secretary, signaled Britain would now step in to prevent the rule being enforced. Well, they haven't stopped, and stopped anything else from being enforced. Members of the European Parliament last week voted against an amendment to new food labelling regulations that would allow individual states to nominate products that can be sold by number rather than... But this, can you believe they're actually arguing about this? This shouldn't even be a topic. This is where they are. This is where we are with people's money. Rooting their life. You know, the EU Parliament banned the sale of British oak for woodwork and cabinet making. Because they ruled that the grain was too wavy. Nothing wrong with it. It was just too wavy a pattern on it. I'm not kidding you. (sighs) Now, chemtrails. The the Mail Online put out the usual stuff that the RAF actually is putting out. I know that because I asked them and they sent me the nice letter. Uh, and same with the Canadian Air Force as well, t- explaining what a, 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 a contrail is. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, I'm back from cutting through the matrix, talking about the standard thing that they give you when you inquire to your air forces uh, what's all this stuff that's spraying in the sky? Uh, well, this article here in Mail on, Online is exactly what they give you and explain to you, letting baby talk, really, that it's just ice crystals that form from water, from the vapor trails. But it says here in this article, they, they can create clouds across the sky. Well, I, see, I remember when they didn't create clouds across the sky uh, back in the 90s, I see that when there was twice as much aircraft on the go. And But anyway, it, it doesn't change their, their, their direction of where they're going with it. Uh, they say, these vapor trails create clouds, which experts claim, you experts now, claim block out sunlight for millions. That's, that's what's happening, you see. It's a sudden change of something that happened, because they never used to do that at all. And, and twice as many aircraft used to be on the go. And they say, this is the reason that our skies appeared unusually blue when the Icelandic volcano was erupting. Well, that's nonsense, because remember the article, it was a massive, massive, the biggest exercise that NATO had ever had using high-tech radars and stuff. That's why they wanted the air clear of all aircraft. Plus, the military was grounded. The aircraft, the actual air forces were grounded. I read that, too, from another another article. But right next to this, is a, here's one that goes along with it. More down to the to truth, it says here. And it's from the Sovereign Independent. 
26th of June 2010. According to the Daily Mail, we should all feel guilty about taking a flight to your holiday destination because we are the cause of all those aircraft up there spraying the sky with toxic chemicals such as aluminum and barium. They said that these, these rails are responsible for blocking out essential sunlight. However, there's nothing really to worry about because these trails are simply caused by ice crystals as a byproduct of jet fuel. They also apparently spread out and form clouds in certain atmospheric conditions, although the article doesn't explain why this is such a new phenomenon, and it is a new phenomenon, or the fact that it only happens in NATO countries. Well, actually, it happens in all countries that signed on to, to the Open Air Treaty. If you go into the Open Air Treaty, you can't get the other part of it. They've taken it off now. It's classified. When Obama's science advisor, John Holdren, you're that guy that wants to depopulate the world, uh, who, who also wants to sterilize people against their will, it says that here, uh, through chemicals in food and water and forcing vaccinations, is openly talking about geoengineering the planet by chemically spraying the atmosphere. Doesn't it strike you that this kind of article actually is, is telling you they're already doing it and have been for some time? Well, exactly, that's what I've been saying. They've been spraying us for years. We're the last to be told any truth about anything. And even then they leak it out saying, well, we're thinking about it. And and they float the trial balloons to see how it's going down in amongst the public. An ironic twist, of course, blocking out the sun is the very thing that lunatics like Holdren want to do, to cool the planet, apparently, to save us all. Isn't that exactly what's happening? Why would they want to block out the sun? Well, without sunlight, human beings will not produce sufficient vitamin D, which is essential for a healthy immune system, and that's a fact. Everybody's utterly deficient in it, which, once destroyed, can be attacked by the very chemicals that they're spraying the atmosphere with, as well as the chemicals in your food and water, not to mention the vaccines. The Daily Mail article is a blatant and utterly spurious attempt to lead people who don't think for themselves, and unfortunately that's most folks, to start speaking out against the damage caused by aircraft and the environment all in line with the whole farcical green agenda, which is nothing less than a communist manifesto with a depopulation eugenics ideology. The only man-made climate change is actually happening when fanatics like Holdren and his maniacal colleagues get their way and have been doing this for a long time. So they're causing the changes, which eventually will change the weather, and then they'll blame us for it through global warming. And that's how it works, folks. That's how the, the wizard in Disney and the Wizard of Oz works. That's how it is. And then they just simply give it to you through propaganda. From Hamish, myself, and Ontario, Canada, it's good night to me. Your God, all your gods go with you.